You're listening to the Chelsea Zerna Podcast, a podcast that inspires conscious leaders to live meaningful lives and to get in touch with the deepest parts of the human experience. My name's Chelsea Zerna, and I'm a women's empowerment coach with the mission of rewilding the feminine back into society. Each week, I have a conscious conversation with best-selling authors, inspiring leaders, and spiritual lightworkers who aren't afraid to step into the unknown and explore the greatest truths of life. Thanks for listening. I'd like to welcome to the podcast, Philippa Levamark, who also happens to be one of my best friends. She's a transformational coach that works with emotional reprogramming, and she's one of the most conscious people I know. So Philippa and I have conversations like this all the time, and we decided we wanted to record one of these for the podcast and share it with other people. So I'd love to um, start off with your story of how you got down this path of spirituality, because I know you've been doing this for years and years before, and you were an artist before you got into coaching. And um, I think it would be amazing to start out with that just so people can get an idea and get a background um, for what you're doing now. And I mean, you're, you were living a nomadic life for a number of years. Now you're living in Barcelona. So I think it'd be great to go into that a little bit. It wasn't really a number of years. It was like a, a year, basically, before. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. So I started when I was 20, basically. It was my first uh, kind of getting out of um, uh, school and my first travel on my own. I went to New Zealand there for six months. And... I I was very interested at that point in music and making movies. But suddenly at this I was at this teepee and I stayed for like 10 days in this beautiful kind of sculpture garden. And suddenly that day I just got a super clear vision that I'm supposed to be a painter, an artist. And I didn't think that much of it. I was kind of taken aback by it, but I, you know, I had never painted before. I wasn't really interested in that at that point. Interestingly, like so, so I with that vision and not really acting upon it or, or thinking about it too much, I came back to Sweden like six months later, and I was like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna start. I, I want to like apply to study videography. Like I want to be a movie director, and you know I'm just gonna apply for that. Whatever this vision doesn't matter. And so I applied for that and didn't get in, and I was stuck like two weeks before the before the term starts in Sweden. And I was like, well, what do I do now then? If I, you know, what, what choice do I have? And then I was like, okay, maybe I should just try art. Since I had this vision, maybe I should try it out. Yeah. And I just applied to this like art college. It's like a one-year program like um, in Sweden. That's, there's no grades. It's just like developing a skill that you can then use for university. Mm, that's cool. And there was this school that was really easy to get into. They didn't even have, like, they had like 25 spaces and it was like, 16 people that had applied so they had lots of space left and interestingly enough I went there and I just was so passionate about painting that I didn't know I was before like I painted a lot when I was a kid so it wasn't like super surprising actually I drew more than I painted but when I got to the school I was obsessed like I couldn't stop I would sit up night and night and night to just paint and I didn't I didn't really enjoy the school. I mean, I liked some classes, but mostly I just enjoyed my own process of creativity. 
Mm. And I've before that moment, I've never been in that space where I just can sit with my own creativity for hours and hours and hours. And this passion became so overwhelming. And together with that vision, that kind of something coming from higher source than myself created a knowingness in me that this is my path. Mm. Like this is what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to contribute here on earth. Mm. And because of that convincement, I just simply knew that that was my path. And so 10 years later, I found myself living the dreams that I've always put out for myself as an artist. Like I painted every day. I went to my studio. I had exhibitions. I had, you know, I sold artworks. And at one point, every single goal that I had on my list, because I had like a lot of goals, right? I want to be like this type of artist. I want to have an exhibition here. I want to have, you know, X amount of money or whatever. And every single goal I reached. And it was this final point. I had an exhibition in a museum in Sweden. The biggest one so far was like 450 square meters big uh, museum. And it was, it was going to be on for three months. And I remembering just like a couple of weeks before that, I was really bored. Mm. Like I'd had this passion for such a long time, but in that moment, I was like, this, I can't do this anymore. Like, I've already achieved everything that I want to achieve here. Yeah. Like, I don't care anymore about my success. Like, if I'm going to continue this road, it's only to achieve more success or more money. But the actual painting, I felt that it became like an everyday job to just like paint and then sell my paintings for money and then, yeah. you know, just continue, continue, continue. And I lost the path, I, I lost the calling. And, the and for some, yeah, and the passion. And it, it created a lot of confusion because I think for some reason, especially on if you have somewhat of a spiritual understanding or, or, or you're, you feel you have a sense of purpose, you kind of, you're in this belief that you have one purpose for the rest of your life. Yeah. You know, kind of like a relationship. You feel like you have this one partner that you want to be with for the rest of your life. And actually, it, it's, you know, now, later, two years later, I, I see that that's not the fact we have different purposes at different times I feel mm -hmm. and things shift and change and because I felt that I'd lived my purpose up to that moment um I felt it was time to do something new and it's been a process yeah for about two years of what that is mm -hmm. and the only thing that I knew that I wanted to do is to help people follow their intuition because the thing is, it's it's easy to say, yeah, I just did like a, a career path of, of an artist for 10 years. But in fact, I never had a traditional job. I didn't, I didn't, I applied to university in arts, but I never got in. So eventually I actually created my own career um, as an artist through Instagram and Facebook. And it was something that even when I started out, wasn't really possible. Like people would tell me, you know, yeah, that it won't work out. You know, you have to have, you know, it, just being an artist in the first place is like a um, something that's outside of society norm, norms, right? For sure. And then yeah. if you're an artist that doesn't go to university and study art and, and then go into like a, a, a super fancy gallery and get picked up by some art collector, you know, then it's like, then what are you doing? Like, you're not doing, like, anyone can be an artist. It's not serious enough, you know? But then, so, so it, it wasn't like, it wasn't easy and it wasn't like a straight path. 
but it was it was coming from a complete knowingness and then suddenly I find myself in this empty space of not knowing what's what to do next if if it wasn't fun anymore because it it came from knowing came from following my intuition and in every single step that I created this path I would often again and again and again experience that I was guided Mm -hmm. and so I would get kind of like signs or I would get just these sudden impulses and desires to to continue in one direction and that would lead to like an exhibition or that would lead to selling paintings to a customer or that would lead to uh, bringing me forwards on uh, the path of becoming a painter and so I recognized that uh, passion I recognized that heartfelt path and it was not more in painting not to say that I didn't enjoy it but it's not the full-on path and so I knew the only thing that I knew how to do was to follow my intuition and to see where it was guiding me and at that point it guided me to sell everything I had and to start traveling um and it was various different moments where those kind of insights came and those passion things came. But I knew that I wanted to help people create their dream life, help people become creative enough that they can create in every single area of their lives. Mm, I love that for sure. Like every single part, because creativity for me, like learning how to paint was so much more about understanding how to be in flow, how to follow my purpose. Also, how to like create a business, how to go paths that no one else has taken, how to make my own way in this earth, how to create my own style, how to uh, dedicate myself, like dedication to practice. And there's so many tools that I really felt passionate about teaching others. And mm-hmm. that applied to, you know, everyone that I met. I felt and- that... And now were you, when you were an artist, did you happen to follow somebody else's path or did you get inspiration from different people? How did you, okay, you did. It wasn't just like, I'm going to be an artist. Let me figure out how to do this. You, you figured it out, but you followed this creative flow by seeing other people doing it well. And you also did it well by model. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I remember there's this one artist who's called Lina Farnström and she's Swedish. And what's interesting is Someone told me about her um, like two years after the first art school. And I studied like graphic design for a year because I thought like in the moment, yes, yeah, so I have lots of insecurities, right? In the moment I was like, no, I'm supposed to be like, um, I can't be a painter. I have to be like a graphic designer to use my creativity, but get, you know, earn money. Um, but then I started graphic design. It was completely boring, like but not interested <laughs> at all. Um, but I learned how to like build websites and shit. So that was still still useful. But um, after that, this woman said, and because I was already kind of following signs, this woman told me about her. And, you know, I don't really come from an artistic uh, family. Like, I mean, they're artistic, but not in the space of art. It wasn't that much knowing of art, if you will. I didn't like have lots of names that I knew. And I, you know, I didn't really study art history. Um, But she told me this, this woman and, I looked her up and I really enjoyed her art. It's kind of like a bit um, absurd, but she was painting realism and she was painting portraits of herself, which was exactly what I was doing. And she was 10 years older than me. And she's, she was at the career point where I wanted to head towards. So I literally looked at her, her uh, CV, like her resume. And I was like, I, I just wanted to see the steps that she took. And I was like, we're going to take exactly the same steps mm, that's as, so good. as she did. 
So yeah. I, I would continuously do this and I would look at all the people and what they have done, where they had exhibited, like um, what kind of had worked for them. Um, in the end, like nothing really happened that way anyway, <laughs> because like, you know, she would go to this fancy school in Stockholm and I didn't get in there. Like I applied there, but I didn't get in, you know, so a lot of things I tried to do, but then it, it didn't turn out as their path, obviously. But in the beginning, yeah, I totally took, uh, like I, I, I would steal someone else's way of reaching success and I will just like try to copy that my own way for sure and that's they say that that's also the best way of doing it you find someone who's doing it and you model after because you don't have to recreate there's a theory out there that there's never new information coming into existence it's just recycled information it's how we recycle that information and I would yeah. imagine that in any career path, even art, just having somebody that you're modeling and looking at their business model and looking exactly what they do, you don't have to recreate the wheel. You just follow that and you get there. So you did that with art. Yeah, totally. And, and it's also, it was also just interesting to see because at that point, I didn't even know that you could live off your art. Like it was enough that was a person that was living off her art, <laughs> you know, in Sweden. Like, and you were like, "I want to do this." <laughs> like, why you can do this? You can like live off your art. No now, way. did you like, did you find that out before or after you became an artist? <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, this was like this was this was exactly when I finished the graphic design school. So it's like okay. immediately when I like had to um, kind of go out of school and into my own practice. So it was, it was very inspiring for me because. I think it was a pivotal moment because I could have studied more graphic design. I could have studied, um, well, honestly, like I started to become a yoga teacher right after because I was like, I'm just going to paint and then I'm going to be a yoga teacher so I can earn money from the yoga. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, so that, so, so that happened. Yeah, I, I think it was a pivotal moment because it really inspired me that it was possible. And then when I knew that it was possible, I would see more and more examples of that and, and stay in that realm of thought you know mm -hmm. yeah. someone else has done it therefore I can do it yes but it's also interesting because I mean obviously I was inspired artistically also but you know it's like if you're an artist you're like I have to be original I have to do my own thing which is definitely true for me like that's how I think a lot and it's never really true because I always kind of copy but but it's interesting because you don't have to you can still be original in your art practice but you can copy someone's business idea you can copy like how they reach success you can look at you know, which people they know, which networks they have, where they're going, and you can kind of take the same route to, to not having to reinvent the wheel, like you said. For sure. And a huge thing that you paint is animals. And specifically, you've been painting white owls yeah. your whole life. You just keep painting white <laughs> owls. What was the significance of the white owl? And how did that come back around a few years later? <laughs> oh, such a good question. Well, so so this if you if you look at my journey now, right? So I knew that I wanted to coach people in how to follow their intuition mm -hmm. and how to follow their dream and how to I and I started to see when I talk to people because I've had 10 years of following my path mm -hmm. and also during this is also something that was super influential because I would be in my studio, right? And I would have hours and hours and hours of just painting. And so during those hours, I would listen to podcasts, like podcast after podcast after podcast. And I would get so much information while also being this kind of creative flow that I, you know, I delved into tons of uh, self-development tools and spiritual books and, and all of these things. So it wasn't just that I was in the art world. Like I was very much into the personal development and the spiritual world. And 
I mean, I call it a spiritual world, but you know what I mean? Like yeah. all these books. Um, and I mean, before everything, um, before even going to New Zealand, I read the book, The Secret. Mm. So it's kind of in this yeah. sphere of knowing about law of attraction and working with energy, but yeah. very much still like a young teenager working with that. Sure. And so when, when art was no longer the, the heartfelt passion anymore, mm-hmm. it was just like more a hobby and something that's fun to do sometimes. I had a lot of tools already to see and analyze how people are creating their reality. And I could start noticing how I would coach my friends because I was maybe the only one, or I had a couple of friends that were also living their passion, but I was almost yeah. the only one in my circle that did my thing. Mm, and then yeah. I, after a couple of years, I could see people starting doing their thing, right? But it was still like, I had a lot of friends that had followed the conventional path and were not you know, living their purpose or their path. Yeah, and they didn't have the tools to, to step into that. And I could just see how their language reflected their beliefs so mm-hmm. clearly. Yeah. Because I've been part of the same system. So I could see when they were thinking uh, recycled thoughts, you know, just mm-hmm. thoughts that, that they've been told. Mm-hmm. that is true or you know they're just thinking their own beliefs and their own um they just had lots of limiting beliefs a lot of things that were blocking them from just living in their in their path on their path and so so then that became so passionate like I was so passionate for that because I was like I just want people to experience what I have experienced these 10 years it's amazing yeah it's scary it's and it's rare it's, it's not easy and there is a lot of trauma. There's a lot of other things, but it's, it's what makes life worth living. It's totally. being on a mission, like being on your own path, being, feeling that you, you contribute to the world with your unique gift. That yeah. sense of fulfillment, it's like, I, I just wanted to, people to experience that. And, and as soon as we got into conversations and I could see how this would help people, that gave me, that made me super interested in, in coaching because it's like I just want to spread this like just follow your intuition follow your, your heart follow your passion and I can do that through coaching people and see their language and see where they're stuck and then so I got into emotional reprogramming specifically then yes yeah. right and so this kind of all ties together um I'm not sure if it ties together with the white owl but it kind of does yeah. because um what happened from just talking and analyzing language is suddenly I will become very intuitive and yeah, there's a train passing by. Can you hear it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> about that. Uh, I would become very intuitive in talking to people. And what would happen is I would start to get um, signals in my body, like goosebumps and mm-hmm. feelings and emotions. When people said something that were, that was true to them. Um, for example, it could be a limiting belief. And when they, when they got to that belief, I just got full on goosebumps and full on emotions. And I realized that it's, it's them tuning into their own beliefs and their own emotional um, pattern. And they, they start seeing it in themselves. And, and for me, it's highly energetic. I'm not really sure how to explain it, right? It's an experience sure. of energy. Definitely. And, and I would just get all, you know, these shivers. And so I started to um, understand how to work with uh, people's 
emotional patterns. Like I could, I could see um, through both their language and their emotions where they were stuck. And then simultaneously, like I had a lot of things in my own life that I had to heal that are not completely healed yet. Like I was, I had like panic attacks. I had social anxiety. I had a lot of fear around just in general being seen. Mm-hmm. And I think part of me, which is like kind of weird, part of my artistic journey was also because I, I wanted to express myself, but I was scared of being seen. So part of mm-hmm. the artwork yeah. is also like, here's my expression, but don't see me, just see, you know, this. Oh yeah. And so, and so in this healing, like I had to go in and I had to work on a lot of things. And also in relationship, I had a lot of, you know, unhealthy relationships that weren't working out. In mm-hmm. fact, I dedicated so much time to my art that a lot of my friendships and a lot of my uh, romantic relationships uh, fell apart because of that. So there was like a lot of other areas of my life that I uh, started to heal. And that's also a process that's been going on. And so I just had lots of tools on how to uh, heal my own um, issues and that eventually uh, developed into what I now call emotional reprogramming, which is it turned into, because I'm always following my intuition, I never have a clear structure and I don't follow structures either. It's like a path a pattern in my life is that I always do things my way. <laughs> For sure. And when we first met, <laughs> yeah. I was the opposite because I was just stepping into this intuitive place and I had come from corporate world. So my whole life was structure. Yeah. So I remember when we first met, you were like, you use calendar invites? What? <laughs> it, was, it was like so different. I was like, I don't schedule anything. I haven't scheduled anything in 10 years. I haven't had an alarm. Like I've never had an alarm or schedule <laughs> or plan for 10 years I just kind of float into things um but actually that's not true because you should have seen me like you saw me in the moment where I was it's a different type of plan because you did yeah. plan you 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 have the ability to look at all of these people and know that that's a path that works and and follow that path. It's not like put it in like a okay at three o'clock I'm going to do this, but it's yeah. like here's the strategy. <laughs> well, the thing is, like when we met, also like I was right in this in the moment of discovering my my new gifts if you will my new path and so since we've known each other now a year a little bit more no mm-hmm. yeah yeah um you've seen my ambition towards where i am right now too and it's 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 quite recent right so when you met me um i'd been traveling for six months mm-hmm. and i just left my home and i just left my career so it's like you were in that moment where i was still uh kind of figuring things out and not really knowing like how to proceed um but actually when I was an artist I was really fucking structured like I have all of my paintings with like measurements and price and titles in like a list and I had everything (laughs) like uh, you know it like a lot of things like on to-do list so so I think it was also a cycle of of when it when it's time to be in inspiration and flow and when it's time to get into like productivity and when it's time to uh like reuse a cycle right so ah, that's perfect and yeah. you just wrote a book on this topic called radical brilliance right going yeah. through these four stages of flow 
I'd love yeah. to hear about that because that's kind of exactly what we're describing right now. Yeah, and it was funny because, I mean, we were talking about this uh, right before the podcast um, when you were like, what do you want to talk about? And I was like, you know, I just read this book. Like, I literally came from the mountains now in Barcelona and I started to, it's an aud- um, audible, mm-hmm. audio audiobook. Um, and I just read it now and it was so applicable to my own process and to kind of see where you're stuck in your own consciousness. Mm-hmm. And it was super inspiring. Um, I think, I feel like I have three, three different threads now. One is like going off on <laughs> coming to emotional reprogramming. One is going off on the wild owl story. And one is this. <laughs> and then we're really going to tie them all together with a nice little bow. <laughs> I, I, I would love to do that. Um, <laughs> I love it. Well, it kind of, yeah, it would tie in together. So like, so he's, he's talking in this book, he's talking about um, these different stages. I can just go through them like quickly, right? Yeah, it's yeah. Like, I think that's super 12, helpful. If you think of it as a, as a clock and you have 12 and three, six and nine mm-hmm. and different like points in the circle that have multiple, um, you know, multiple ways of tuning in, then at 12 o'clock would be the complete stillness the consciousness that is observing self, you know, where there's nothingness. And then you move into, you start to get inspiration from, I'd like to call it a higher source, but you, you know, whatever it is, you, you start to get information from consciousness and it ripples down into inspiration and to like a creative flow. And then you start getting inspired and you're in these flow states at number three, where you're just like, creating you're bringing this vision that you got and you're starting it you know yes and then uh, this if you're a creative this is you know where you're painting right this is applicable for me then the first before as an artist would be like okay just gonna like meditate and then I get an idea of a painting and then I paint right so number number three is like the, the painting cycle and number six is when it's like okay you have to like frame the painting you have to put a price on it you have to sell it you have to contact like customers you have to have an exhibition it's like the productivity like when you actually bring it Process, into something structure yes yeah um kind of like the type a personalities right mm-hmm. and then so number nine would be the phase where you're looking at your own self what you've done what you've created you kind of have to go into rest mode you've like been in this productive cycle and now you need to rest and digest and see kind of like um it's also the 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 place where you're um very like self-criticizing or you're in this place where you're you feel that there's constantly a need to improve yourself mm-hmm. yeah reflection um, and analysis for real yeah for sure and then you come back to this nothingness and so um how this ties together with um, emotional reprogramming I think it's because I, I spent like I've, you know we're, we're all in these cycles right and some people are in, 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 pl- in different places at different times and some people get addicted to like one specific place but there's there's um, there's a lot of times when people feel stuck and they feel that they're not coming forwards and specifically that's what I'm good at helping people with is releasing their limiting beliefs so they can move forward. Yes. But it's not to them to just come into um, com- complete stillness. You know, it's actually to, to make them um, 
to, to make it possible for them to become creatives in whatever field they're in, to actually bring their vision to fruition. And so I, I think a lot of people are good at different uh, parts of the circle, you know? Mm -hmm. And some people, like, I can help people get into their creative flow as well, and I can help people to create a business out of, you know, like, you have different qualities. But, yeah, so I think the emotional reprogram would be that part where you, you sit back and you're like, why is this happening? Like, why is this, a, you know, what trauma is this related to what's That's happened? That's beautiful, for sure. Um, I yeah, can definitely see that. And you do it through meditation, through the blank space, and you take them through that blank space yeah. through the creative flow. And it's funny because I kind of feel like I fit into the bottom two. Like I'm the one that's taking those creative, like crazy yeah. chaos and yeah. putting structure to it and then reflecting yes. and analyzing for improvement. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, that's why I think like because we, I, I feel like we work so well together and, you know, just when we met, we, we, we also had lots of plans. We started different projects together. And I think, honestly, I think that's why it's so, it works so well because I kind of work in the, in the first, you know, 12 and three and you work in six and, and nine or, For sure. or kind of maybe, yeah, in parts of those cycles because you, but this is so funny. We have to tell the story. Like we're in good. We're, oh, yes. <laughs> we're how we met. No, yeah. Oh, Burning Man. Okay. <laughs> Yes. Like how we went to Burning Man together <laughs> because I was like, I'm just gonna go to Burning Man. Like I got this ticket and um and like I don't have a camp and suddenly like uh because we're both um part of AFES, so I was in the AFES group and someone just like posted randomly on Facebook a week after I got my ticket that like, hey, like you should join our camp and I was like, Okay, um I'm gonna join this camp because it popped up in my feed and I got into the camp and I just like I'm just gonna see what happens and like someone will take care of me and you're like you sent me you sent me a google doc with like we have to bring i had the entire list of things because you have to survive in the desert for a week and you're like i'm just gonna show up and i'm like what like like we need to we need to we need to pack things like we need a bike there's it's seven miles wide like we need to we need it, it gets like 30 degrees fahrenheit at night like 100 degrees fahrenheit during the day we need to like plant this out we need food like water yeah. and you're like i'm just gonna show up and it's funny because <laughs> so this funny. year that's I what know. i ended up doing i, know. <laughs> I just showed up i, I mean i had things but i was like all right universe i'm trusting my intuition and it's so <laughs> funny how that came back around i oh know it's so funny to watch your evolution in this too because I think what we both kind of, the conclusion is it's good to have a balance, right? So yeah. I was in that kind of flow state and you were like, hey, Google Docs, like, this is what we need to do. You, you basically <laughs> sure. up and everything we needed. And you're like, I've already got everything. Like, I, you know, you ordered on Amazon these things that you needed. And, and like, we yeah. were like scheduled the flights, like, which flights are going to take? We're going to meet. What are we going to do? And I was like, Whoa, 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 whoa. Like, see what happened? You, you didn't even know it to, to the point where you're like, let's just see if we can meet up on the playa. Like, let's not even plan to camp together. And I'm like, I am never going to see you. And you're like, okay, yeah, maybe you're right. So we shared a tent together. And it was just like, we didn't, I mean, you do run into people on the playa. It happens. Yeah. But it's it's not necessarily you're not going to spend time with them. You're going to run into them on your bike in a passing. So it's totally different. Well, the thing is like, that's in a way that's also 
like what ended up happening is oops, what what ended up happening was that in this like I can see my own immaturity in that as well because I was just flowing and also I was expecting it to flow with me and it went well like we would you know we, we hitchhiked from <laughs> Reno to to uh we ended up finding the perfect ride at the perfect time but I remember sitting at Walmart with a sign in Sharpie that said ride to Burning Man because we didn't find the ride until the day of I mean I was trying to flow with it but part of me was like why are we at Walmart right now (laughs) with a a cardboard box (laughs) I mean the thing is, it, it flowed beautifully. If you look back at it, it was like in perfect alignment. But also, <laughs> in respect of my own <laughs> immaturity, yeah. like I kind of relied, I relied on you and also our friend Leah, who kind of like fixed, she was like the organizer as well. Like she would fix the tent. She was like, I'm, she, she was so organized she was, with everything. She was. she was very organized. And she had a lot of connections because it's hard to fly from Barcelona with a tent. You kind of have to get the stuff while you're in California. So there is some stuff that you had to do. So she was super helpful yeah. with that. And we but were it was also fortunate. like, yeah, and it was kind of like relying on that. And also like, you know, it, it's, it's surrendering because it was flow because like I got to borrow a bike. I got to, you know, all these things. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I'm also relying on people. And it's funny to hear because like in your evolution, you know, you're going from super structured and in you're also really good at planning. Yeah, I took yeah. an over responsibility for everything. And yeah, and that like was releasing some of that. Yeah, and it, and, and now I feel like you're more into uh, just flowing yeah. and to see, just to f- kind of see what happens and allowing. And I just love the story of you at Burning Man uh, this year, which was completely random. It's so crazy. Scary. And this is why I love the feminine and the masculine so much. It's like the the flow and the structure and watching how the two different energies can, it, it, how beautiful it is when things are in balance. Yeah. Because that's exactly what we did. It was like we, we were both on opposite ends of the spectrum and then we're able to help balance each other and then eventually develop those qualities. Now you use Google Calendar like it's your job and you have <laughs> Calendly, <laughs> Zoom, all the things. I have everything. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. amazing. But it's like it's needed, right? Because I, I was also in the free flow for such a while. And honestly, when I was an artist, I was much more in the productive phase. Um, producing things and and it's it's really nice to be both but it's really at some point it's necessary like if you look at this clock again it's necessary to bring from flow states not just being a flow state but coming down to productivity yeah and i think you just had to experience you just had to experience nothingness and flow to you know because honestly weren't you also burned out in a way yeah i would say there was some burnout there it was more of just a lack of passion and I really love being passionate about what I do. I love working. I really love it. And I, I'm not going to do it if I'm not passionate and excited about it. And I didn't have that passion. Yeah. Yeah. So when yeah, you're so- in the productivity phase for too long, I definitely see how you can get into burnout. I think yeah. I left before I got into burnout because I was like, it was more of a frustration of like, I want to be passionate and creative again. Like I wanted to be in stage three. Yeah. Um, and and can I can I tie this together to Whitehall now because it's perfect timing. It is perfect timing. Burning Man, yes. 
Yeah, so at Burning Man, um, I attended a shamanic session, mm-hmm. and it was this drum, this woman that was drumming, and were you in, no, you weren't in it. I was there, we did oh, the spirit animal together, because oh, that's yeah. where I got, yes. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, we didn't do it, I was not teamed up with you. Yeah, right, so, so this woman kind of like drumming and doing this shamanic ritual of saying hi to, you know, different... Um, what do you call it? Directions? Like north, south, east, west. Yeah, yeah. The directions, the cardinal. The directions and just this kind of inner journey of finding your power animal, I think it was even. Mm-hmm. And in the end, she got us to like team up with one person in the group and we would go into like the spirit realms with this person and we would find their power animal. And I mean, there's lots of information on power animals, how they can help you and la 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 la. But it, to that moment, I wasn't super, um, I didn't really know what she was talking about, you know, but it was fun to be on the journey. And I teamed up with this woman who I've never met before. And we sat back to back and we did the journey. And when she was uh, journeying for me, um, it was interesting because she just, there was a space where you, you, you go into the, 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 the spirit realm and you ask for the animal to show itself for the full name of the person that you're working with. And so she went there, uh, she explained to me later and immediately just after like a couple of seconds, she saw a white owl Mm -hmm. and not only was it white and an owl, it also had like a little piece of golden on its head and she would, um, or the leader would have us like kind of gather this, this spirit animal and, and take it into our hearts and then, blow it into the other person, like physically just like transmuting that energy. And when she blew it into me, I, I didn't know at this point, this is what she saw. And I just, I could feel wings in my heart. Mm. And the thing is, right. You know, like I've been painting white owls for a long time and I even made like portraits of myself with this white owl. And, um, I felt super connected to it. And even, you know, when some people ask like, what animal would you be? Like I would answer a white owl you know so when she then said that after this ritual she was like no I mean so white owl I was like what (laughs) and I just started like I got shivers I got goosebumps and I just started crying and I was like this is so I mean these are all in the mystical experiences that I've had and I've had a lot of them like a lot of mystical experiences that are inexplainable but for me they feel very spiritual and very connected absolutely and it felt like I was so connected to the spirit of the owl um, and that's why I was invited to paint it in the first place. And this was just such a validating experience for me. And I kind of explained my artwork because I was very clear on my path that I would only do things from the heart. So all of my paintings come from the heart, you know? And so for me, that was also like me tuning into something mystical and painting that. Yeah. And that is something that I'm interested in doing now more with my painting is working more in somewhat of a shamanic setting yeah. and somewhat of, of kind of channeling or just letting yourself be guided in this space of nothingness to bring something into being. And, and it's interesting then what you create in that. Absolutely. And all of this are just mystical experiences, but, but it brought me also into shamanism in a way. And that's why the, the, the emotional reprogram that I do, uh, that I have done, I mean, I can do it online and it's super powerful, but when I've done it in person, it's really fucking powerful because then I've made a ceremony 
And I'm even going to make my own drum because mm-hmm. uh, yeah. I want to start using drums as well because it, it's such a powerful way of getting people into different brainwave states, you know, right. getting people yeah. into the meditative states. And so it's the way that I do it is it's, it's a ceremony right now. It's like starting with, with uh, getting into a sacred space mm-hmm. and meditating and getting into your subconscious mind and, and leading people um, through their issues, what that's related to and how they are stuck in that right now. And then creating a container of sacredness and, and introspection. And even I've done it like in my room with like everything is dark. There's just like a candle. It feels like you're in a womb, you know? Yes. And it's, it's, it's inspired by a lot of different shamanic workshops that I've attended. And it's funny that I attended that one at Burning Man with you and that it ties together all of a circle here. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Also, amazing. I haven't told that story um, about the White Owl to my art uh, art community yet mm. um, so this will be the first time and I can share this podcast actually on my art community mm. so that they know because um, I'm working on an, so I'm kind of I'm still doing art right so I'm working on an exhibition as well called A Tribute to White Owl where I'm just p- painting this white owl and so it's, so it's related to what I do so- right now Flipa, I have everything that you just said. I think so. A lot of the the people that listen to this podcast are um, a lot of them are entrepreneurs. A lot of them are in the spiritual world. But the way that you create and your creative process is so beautiful that I would love to even just tap into that a little bit more and kind of like bring that out so that people can hear this process because you're you you just said you paint from the heart and people talk about okay do it from the heart but you actually you you stay at 12 o'clock in this clock and you wait for the intuitive guidance to come before you do anything right Mm. and I think it's beautiful just having that trust having that flow having that process and that's something that I had to learn that wasn't super intuitive to me like that wasn't that was not my natural programming, right? I didn't grow up in an environment that said, this is the best way to create. Like for me, I grew up in, you know, the the northeastern part of the United States, which is super intellectual, super in the mind. And it's, it's um, like literally New York, like it was very different. And I, I think it's unique. I think, I think that your creative process and your style of creating is inspiring. So if there's something that you can maybe talk about to that process, I think it would be helpful for people. Um, I mean, I think it's basically unlearning more than it's learning. So I think because of our education system, um, from a very small age, we're taught to shut off our natural expression. And we're taught to um, sit still, you know, and uh, learn as you're supposed to learn, not as you actually want to learn. And we're basically educated to fit into the system that's already there. And so I think naturally as children, we would just act from the heart, um, unless you're hurt, right? (laughs) Then you do it anyway. But like we would naturally express ourselves unless there's lots of trauma. But as, as a child, we would just like do that. And then we learn to not do it. And so for me, it's not so much about a skill as it is to take away things that are blocking you, yeah. um, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And that taking away is basically stopping, <laughs> like stop what you're doing. Stop overthinking, stop producing, stop um, 
stop being in your thoughts, stop being in your mind, stop, you know, be in all of these stories about yourself and just listen. Basically, like the easiest exercise is to simply put focus on your heart. It's just like that. You just, you just focus on your heart. You feel it. You breathe into it. And you feel the emotion. You feel the electricity and you feel the physical heart. And that exercise in and of itself tunes you to the heart. But then, I mean, there's tons and tons of exercises that you could do to know what you're passionate about, right, intellectually. But ultimately, it's taking away everything that is not fun to do. <laughs> yeah. I mean, take, you know, and remembering what's fun for you, what you enjoy doing, what, is, what creates happiness in you. And maybe that is different things, you know. But eventually, when you just start doing more and more things that are, you think are fun, you know, that comes naturally. It's, it's just fun. It's fun to do it. It's fun to paint this. Like, you know, it's fun For to sure. dance. It's fun to, uh, you know, whatever you think is fun. And then trusting in the process that uh, things will unfold naturally as they should. Like, I think the biggest learning I got from Burning Man this year was the remembrance of the, the power of manifestation and 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 desiring something and then asking for it without thinking that it's too big and then watching it happen instantly. Because I, I find myself or I was in the trap right before I got to Burning Man of not asking for what I wanted because it felt too big. I wouldn't even say it out mm. loud because I couldn't see the end result. I was like, I can't see how this can unfold. So I'm not even going to want it because it's too much. And then when I was at Burning Man, the craziest things were happening. So then I was just like, man, I know that I'm in the middle of the desert, but I would love a vanilla ice cream cone in a, in a waffle cone. And, <laughs> and, and literally, I biked like, I don't know, like two minutes down the road and it just showed up. An igloo showed up with ice cream in it. I was yeah. like, and I know that's a small example, but that kept happening over and over and over yeah. to the point where I was like, holy shit, what am I? Like, this is how life can work. Like, this yeah. is how life works. Yeah. And it's so difficult, like, coming back to the, the we call it the default world, like coming out of Burning Man, and, and having those same desires, but then also noticing where the friction is in that. And yeah. where, kind of like you said, like, releasing those layers that are, are kind of blocking us and where we're seeing the friction. Because sometimes it's just a friction in our belief system or a friction in our lack of trust or a friction in having an egoic desire that's not actually coming from the spirit and divine will um, that can block us from actually manifesting. Right. And I, I would say that we're constantly manifesting. We're just doing it consciously or unconsciously. Uh, it's not that you're not creating. You just, if, you're, if you're not conscious about it, you're just recreating the patterns that you continuously do again and again and again. And I think Part of why Burning Man, for example, is one of the few places where people can just be instead of having to follow a schedule, for example, makes it easier for you to get into that flow state and just follow your intuition, right? Yeah. And I think a lot of society is built up around having to do the same thing the whole time. You know, you take the same route, you, you go to the same job, you hang out with the same people. And so it's not that often that you can be completely in something that's unknown and you have no idea what will happen, yes. you know? And, and so partly, go ahead, you finish. Well, well, part of a practice that I used to do that that's actually super fun is to just go out of your house and maybe set an hour or two hours or don't even set a time 
and just go wherever your heart tells you to go, like have no plan and see what happens. You know, it's like, oh, I feel like going to the right now and maybe jumping out this, this bus to nowhere. Like just go and do that. That's no? beautiful. Yes. Actually, on the and second I- week of my coaching program, it's all about um, the sacral chakra, which is all about bringing in the feminine. And that's an activity I literally have people do. Leave your yeah. house without a single plan and just see where you end up and see yeah. and notice the synchronicities along the way. Yeah. Because that's when you're tuning in to being present to what is instead of just thinking what you're going to do in the, in the future or in the past. And it's not that often that we have the opportunity to be like that. And we have things like Burning Man or, or when people are traveling, for example, people usually say when they're traveling, oh, people are so open and things just flow. It's like, yeah, because you're open and you're in flow. And you're without a, a plan and a schedule too. That's what, exactly what I was just going to say with travel. Yeah. You're like, you don't yeah. have to go to Burning Man. You don't have to go out into the middle of the desert to have this experience. You can just go take a trip somewhere. Just go travel without a plan and just watch what happens and watch what unfolds yeah. and the manifestations and, will occur. Right. And that is stepping into the unknown. And it's super easy to do that, I find, when traveling. And I find when just walking out of the door, it's a really good exercise. It's harder to do it with a project maybe like you don't know how it will turn out it's, it's harder to do it when you're scared of something you know mm, like yes. just putting yourself out there in full vulnerability for me at least some people are probably really scared about just traveling or just walking outside of the door but for me my like challenge with this is more when it comes to um like putting things into some like like for example shaping a business right like I can I can super easy like just guide people intuitively in what I do but then like at some point I have to put it into like a business I have to have a plan I have to do these things and that's where it's like it's not super intuitive it kind of creates somewhat of a resistance because it's like committing right it's committing to something and there's I think there's a lot of different energies that are equally as necessary to just be in that kind of flow state but I think you can apply the same tools of just like feeling okay feel what feels right feel what decision i'm going to take feel for sure feel the sensations and the energy that's occurring in different parts of the body instead of just making emotional decisions i think sometimes when we say feel people are like so you're just making decisions based on emotion and it's some of that but it's 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 more about feeling sensations and like energy buildups in your body of like oh when i feel this here that means I, I should I should take an action. I should do something with yeah. it. I'm and feeling I think, a sensation. And I think it's it's super easy. Um, it's it's hard to know what decision to do, but usually what I feel is, is that there's either a yes or a no. Mm-hmm. And if it's a maybe, then it's usually a no. So like and that's kind of like asking or the heart, the like, right time. It's like maybe not a yeah. no, but maybe you just need to wait a little bit longer for something else to happen so that you can say yes or no definitively. Yes, that's a good point. I love that. And like, and then, so it's not like, should I do X or X or X in my life? It's not like, is this right? Like, does this feel right or not? And then you're yeah. kind of like, no. Okay, then you know that. Does this feel right? Yes. Okay, cool. Yeah. And so sure. it's, it's, it's easy. For me, it's easier to work like that. Like, and, and that would be, if you're out and doing this kind of intuitive walk, then you're kind of doing the same process. You're like, do I feel like going to the left or to the right? Like, yeah, uh, to the left. Like, it's easy decisions in a way. It's just like, 
yes or no, yes or no, and, yes or no. And Jess Lively used to do that a lot. She used to, um, I think it was just like she would do crossword or she would do something on the computer where she would say, okay, like here's a game of solitary and let me guess the next card. And she would just like uh, test herself to see, okay, am I, um, I can't remember the example, but she would test this out with um, like predicting different things. So she could just like say, okay, yes, this is happening or no, this doesn't feel right. I'm going to go with this card. I think what it was is there were three cards and she had to pick which one had the prize in it. And she would just constantly test that and be like this one, this one feels right. This one feels right. That's awesome. That's a really good, I, I don't remember that. And also I love her podcast and just shout out. Shout um, out to really good. <laughs> yeah. She's really good podcast. She's also a Valley A-Fest member. <laughs> yeah. For sure. Um, yes. And you know, one thing I really also love is there's never really a wrong answer. Like whenever there's resistance or a block, it's just an opportunity to pivot because there's something better. Like I, I yeah. sometimes people are scared to make decisions because they're like, man, if I do this, like I'm going to be screwed. It's like, no, like if you do this and you're feeling it and, and, and this feels like the right answer, then, and then follow it. And I'm just going to tell a really quick story and then we'll probably have to wrap up here soon. But you know, on, on my way to burning man, I was in the car and someone told this story about um, Moses crossing the Red Sea. And it's a famous story um, in the Bible and the Torah, all of these things. And, and, he, and the, but the story was told in such a way that it was really powerful. Um, he, he, the way he told the story is he said, you know, Moses was leading all of these people and he went into a meditation because he had to go left or right. And, and, and he needed to think about, and he needed to decide and feel into which decision he wanted to take. And he knew if he went one way, um, he would lead everybody into a flood. And then when, if he went the other way, he would lead everybody into a dry land. And there were the Egyptians coming behind them wanting to, to kill them. And so he said, okay, this is the way. I know this is the way. And they get there and, and, and all of a sudden they look out and they're like, oh my gosh, this is the flood. What's going on? And he goes, I've never been steered wrong. Let me meditate. And meanwhile, the Egyptians are coming and everyone's like freaking out. And all of a sudden he stands up and he parts the Red Sea. Everybody goes through and the sea closes behind them. And he was like, there had to have been another way for me to do this. It wasn't like, oh shit, we're screwed. It was, there's something else here that's better. Because if he would have taken the other route, they would have gotten murdered anyways. Like, no, there was no flood, but there were Egyptians following them. So there would have been another obstacle, right? So it, it was this this total trust in the unknown and in yeah. the impossible that allowed them to survive. And I, he, he told that story the second I got on the playa and it was so beautiful because it was like, wow, wow, nothing that I could do here is wrong. It's just a different, it's just a, an opportunity for me to pivot into something that is right. Or this can manifest in a way that maybe I'm not thinking about. Yeah. It was beautiful. I love that story so much. I think, Yeah, when we when we believe in the impossible, that's when we're truly powerful. And today, when I was walking in the mountains, I actually had a thought to myself that I've I haven't felt that thought that many times. And it was just like, remember, Philippa, that there's so many possibilities that you have absolutely no idea about that will happen in your life. Just be open to that. And It's easy for me to work with, with thoughts and work with self-development, but for me to be like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, 
whatever, like I can actually create the impossible. I, I know that my mind is limited in the ability of thinking even of possibilities. Mm -hmm. So if I just trust to something else, something bigger outside of myself, it will create something even more magical than I could have ever possible thought of. And to just allow that thought to sit with me, like just like tuning in to like, yep, I don't, I don't even think that I know a solution right now. Mm, Philippa, that's amazing. And I think that's a beautiful place to end the podcast. <laughs> this is awesome. Thank you so, yes. so much for telling your story. We're going so deeply into your journey for being on this podcast. I love you. I love you too. Thank oh, you thank so you. much. All right, guys, we will talk to you soon. This episode of the Chelsea Zerna podcast is sponsored by Wildly Woven. There are very few things in this world that have impacted me more than getting out of my default environment and exploring a new country. That's why Megan Elman, Matt Thomas, and myself are putting together a New Year's retreat in Bali. This is an eight-day event for people looking to dive deeper into their soul and balance their inner masculine and feminine energies. It's open to both men and women, and it'll be eight days of breath work, yoga, meditation, exploring the, the local culture. For more information, head over to wildlywoven.com.